Anyways, uh, we are just uh, coming close to the end of our series on awkward moments. We had a uh, we we had a skip. We skipped the uh, the the awkward moments uh, series last week because of our guest ministry. And next Sunday we're not going to be doing it either because Pastor John Clark uh, is going to be preaching and he's got a word for us. We can't wait for that. And we'll also be uh, celebrating our communion on uh, Sunday morning as well next week, God willing. Uh, so I got one more this week, and then after, uh, then two weeks from now, then we're going to switch it up. But these awkward moments. I hope you've been enjoying this series. I, I kind of like awkward. You know, I I don't know what it is. It's kind of a fun subject. And today I have another amazing awkward moment from the Bible to talk to you about. But just to give you a bit of a reminder and refreshing. Uh, refresher. We've got we've done five of them so far, and uh, we talked about the first awkward moment was a woman at the well, and the guys came back from town, and they were looking at Jesus like, "What are you talking to her for?" And it was kind of one of those awkward moments. But it was it was all about the harvest, and Jesus uh, that that whole town, you know, that whole town was was turned upside down, and the Bible talks about how many many people came to believe in Jesus because of that moment. That was, uh, for some, that was very awkward. Uh, the next week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the bread of life. And he says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any eternal life in you. And, of course, that's really awkward. In fact, many of his followers stopped following him at that time. But that's talking about the fact that there's only one source of life. And, and there's only one way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. And we need to identify so closely with him and realize that he is our source. And of course, the awkward moment all around issues of sexuality and pornography that he, uh, such a huge part of our culture today. And Jesus talked about purity and he, he said that, you know, if, if you just look at uh, another person with lust, that, uh, that that is adultery. And of course, it's very serious. It's one of the Ten Commandments. There are no Ten Suggestions. There's just the Ten Commandments, right? And so when you're crossing the Ten Commandments, you've got you to gotta sort of start looking up and figuring out, okay, am I going to live through this day? Uh, then we talked about these, these two women, and both of them were awkward moments, and it's all about prayer. And the one was the fact, or the, the, uh, the woman who was the, the, the widow, and this, Jesus told this story of the widow and this judge who wasn't listening to her, and she just wouldn't take no for an answer. And then Jesus was calling this other woman. It sounded like he was calling her a dog, of all things. And so I'm not going to preach that sermon again. If you want to read it, you can read it. The notes are up online, or you can listen to it. Uh, and, or if you beg me after the service, I'll preach to you again. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, but I came to bring a sword. And... Uh, Enough said. We'll just stop right there. But you can listen to that as well, or you can read it for yourself. But today I want to talk to you about another awkward moment in the Scriptures, and that is being blessed or being cursed. And Jesus, Jesus, you know, a lot of times people think, well, Jesus is such a nice guy. He's like the good cop, and the Father's like the bad cop. But Jesus was very clear with his message. And to this, at this time, uh, I'm going to tell the story. And basically, I'll just, just, uh, you know, full disclosure, he called Peter Satan, or at least it sure sounded like that. that that's a little awkward because they had been walking together for 
Well, a long time, maybe as long as three years, and Peter had left everything to follow him, and, and there he is, and Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Like, what a thing to say to your buddy. But we'll talk more about that. Let's start with prayer. Can we do that, please? Let's pray. Lord, we're here, and I pray for that revelation of who Jesus is to grip our souls today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, take a look in your apps or your paper Bibles, or you can look on screen. Most of the scriptures will be on the screen, but not all of them. Uh, But that's where we are today. It's going to be in Matthew chapter 16, one of the strongest uh, scriptures in the uh, the strong scriptures of the Bible. Uh, In fact, little known, maybe maybe you know this, but Jesus only... uh, used the word church twice, and one of them was in this portion, and uh, another one is just two chapters later in the book of Matthew chapter 18, the only time where the word church is actually found in the, the Gospels, that Jesus used the word, and it's here, here is one of them. But I, I was reading this, and sometimes I read these things for the first time, even though I've read them many, 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 many times in my life. And, I, I was reading this uh, in verse 13. It says, Jesus came to the, the region. Uh, he came to the region of Caesarea Philippi. And I thought to myself, Caesarea Philippi, that doesn't sound very close. I always kind of think about Jesus being just outside of Jerusalem somewhere where all these stories happen. But he actually had just fed the 5,000. And, uh, you know, and they got across the lake and they got to Bethsaida, I think it is. And then, you know, he just needed a break. They, they went on a road trip. It was about 27 miles. That's about 43, 44 kilometers. And, of course, being on foot, that's, that's a real road trip. But they needed just to get away, and it was actually a whole different province. Uh, there was one of the Herod boys uh, was over Galilee. And then his cousin, Philip, was over this area to the, to the north and the east. I'm pointing the wrong way for you because that looks like west, doesn't it? So the, the north and east. And you can see the map there. You can see the large lake, the Sea of Galilee, with uh, Bethsaida and Capernaum. You may have remember those names because that's where a lot of the Bible stories take place. It went way up to the top of that map there, Caesarea Philippi. Now, there was two Caesareas. One of the Caesareas it was on the coast, on the Mediterranean Sea. This is the other Caesarea. And so, to avoid confusion, the, uh, the guy Philip, he decided, well, let's just name the city after me too. So he's got the Caesar part, and Caesarea was sort of to uh, honor Caesar. And in fact, in Philippi, there was a, a large uh, white marble uh, temple that was built to honor Caesar. You probably realize that the Roman uh, emperors were worshipped as, as deity. And uh, if the, the standard greeting was Caesar is Lord. And that's one of the reasons the Christians got in trouble back in the day was because they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord. They would say Jesus is Lord. And that was very uh, counter, counter, uh, counterculture and, and rebellious, actually. In that neighborhood also, there were uh, 
about four, apparently they've counted them, 14 temples in that area, 14 temples to that god Baal. And if you've read the Old Testament or are familiar with some of the stories in the Old Testament, the, uh, you know, the Baal worship was a real problem. And, uh, and that still was happening at that time. So it was a very sort of evil, sort of spirit, spiritually evil area that they went to. And uh, a lot of the Jewish people wouldn't want to go there. And that's actually one of the reasons why Jesus, I think, decided to kind of go up there. He wanted to get away from it all. He had a lot of people that were just fighting against him, the, the, uh, the, the Pharisees and the, the, the scribes that seemed like they were always chasing him down and trying to get him in trouble. Uh, so that, that's, where this, that's where this story happened. Now, uh, there was the, the first part of the story. We're going to come back to it, and that was sort of the, the good part. But I want to jump over to the, the sort of the cursed part because it's the, it's the awkward moment. And Jesus, in verse 21, he started talking to them. He's, this is where his, his, his clarity became so strong. It says, from then on, in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things, at, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. And uh, that, that's the, the central story of history right there. That's the central thing. In fact, because of Jesus, we even say the date, 2019, A.D. And uh, I, I don't know the, the Latin exactly, but that word means that A.D. is, a, is a initials for in the year of our Lord. And it actually uh, refers to who Jesus is. And Jesus Christ, he came and he says, it's necessary for this to happen. Now, nobody really wanted that to happen. Well, I shouldn't say nobody, but not in, in that group. Jesus himself didn't really want it to happen, but he knew it needed to happen. He says it's necessary. His suffering would put an end to the punishment for sin upon all people. Anybody that wants to come to God through Jesus Christ can be forgiven, and it's necessary. In order for that to happen, it's necessary for Jesus to die. It's, it's, just, it's, it's not like he's being some, you, you know, it's not like he's, he's trying to make himself look like a really great guy. He didn't really want to do it in that, in that sense because he was human, and it was a horrible death. It wasn't uncommon, the death part, but the part that was uncommon with Jesus' crucifixion was that all of the weight of the guilt of your sin and mine, and all through history, all of the sin, all of Jesus bore that on himself. Did you ever feel uncomfortable because you feel guilty, you feel ashamed, you know, you feel fearful? I'm, I'm sure everybody, if we were going to make you raise your hand, everybody should raise their hand. We all felt like that. Well, all of that guilt of not just this little group here, but all through history and all across the world, even seven and a half, whatever it is, billion people today and everyone who's lived in history, all of that guilt was put onto Jesus Christ. All of that shame, all of that fear, all of that stuff 
got laid on him. The judgment of God was put on him. And he would suffer these hands, these, these physical things from these physical people. And then in the spirit, he bore the, the, the penalty of death for us. But then, on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. So Jesus began to talk to them about this. And, and these guys, uh, of course, when this book was written, Matthew was written probably around uh, 70 or 80 A.D., which is around 30 to 40 years after the crucifixion and resurrection. And so uh, Matthew knew a lot about this when, when he wrote these words. But at the time, this was really kind of unexpected for these guys because they were still thinking that Jesus Christ, being the Messiah, the Son of the living God, they were still hoping and dreaming that they were going to have a restoration of the, the Davidic and the Solomon-level kingdom of Israel, and it was going to be great times for, for the Israelis. It was going to be a, for the Jewish people. They would, they would kind of be, uh, you know, the, the, the big guys again, the, the, cool, the cool team. Everybody wanted to be like them because they, they kind of ruled the world. And the Romans, you know, those dirty, rotten, scoundrel Romans who took over and, you know, the Roman peace. Uh, was was mostly because, the, you know, the opposition was crushed, right? It, it was a very, very mean-spirited uh, side to the Roman government in spite of the fact that they had democracy and different, you know, rights that, as citizens. It was, a, it was a tough place to be when you were being occupied by the Romans. And that was kind of like, this is, this is what we're after here. We, that's what we're kind of thinking, and Jesus keeps talking about something else, and that's very uncomfortable. In fact, it's awkward because it all through history, the, the idea of the Messiah was way different than Jesus was talking about. And so, of all things, you know, here's Peter. Now I'm in verse 22. Jesus took, here, here's, here's Peter, okay, fisherman Peter, follower of Jesus. He says he's, he believes he's the Messiah, and now he's taking Jesus aside and he's saying, listen, we gotta, we got to have a team meeting here. Okay? i got some things to... to could you, are you willing to take some adjustment, Jesus? And he's, he began to reprimand Jesus. You know, he shook him. He rebuked him. That word, you can't make it very soft. He, you know, he didn't, you know, tie him up and said, you know, until you change your mind, you're not getting out of here. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a torture thing, but it was, it was very vehement. And he wanted Jesus to change the, to change his tune. He, in fact, he said, no way. He, that's, that's what it was like. It wasn't, oh, Jesus, you know, we've got to sit down. We've got to talk about this. Can we work this out? He's saying, listen, you are totally out of line. This is never going to happen. You're going to be the king. We're going to be the followers. And it's all going to be good. And so what did Jesus, uh, Jesus said? <laughs> the verse 23, he turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're an offense to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Now, where was Peter coming from? Well, first of all, I, I'm just 
thinking out loud here, but, you know, just human decency, right? You know, he doesn't want to see this guy suffer and go to the cross and go through all that stuff. He doesn't want to see anyone do that, especially Jesus. Number two, he, they, they walked together. They had been together for all these years and all this time. And uh, he just loved him as a friend. You know, he, they hung out. He, they, they basically were together all the time, 24-7. They lived, they lived together. They, they walked together. They ate together. Everything. And, of course, Peter had that sort of political agenda as well. And so, you know, even after the resurrection, the guys were saying, Jesus, is this the time when you're going to set up your kingdom? Like, they just always had that in the back of their mind. And Peter, it was very tough for him to just take it at uh, face value. And I believe that Jesus here, he said to Peter, "You're, you're a dangerous trap. What was... The danger. Well, Jesus, the Bible says he was tempted in every way, just like we are. And I believe that just like the devil tempted him in the wilderness to go a different route than the way of the suffering, here's another temptation. Jesus was tempted by this. He'd he'd rather not have to go through all this stuff (laughs) because that human part of him was subject to these temptations. But uh, he said, no, this is wrong. Listen, Peter, this is, you're, you're thinking, you're thinking like a human. And of course he is, so hello. <laughs> but you're not thinking God's way. You are thinking the wrong way. So get behind me, Satan. You know, th- he's using you here. This is, this is like, this isn't even you, Peter. This is, this is the, uh, the, tempt- the tempter talking. Get, get behind me. I don't want anything to do with this. You know, like it says in the book of Romans, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. We have to think God's way. So if there's a lesson to be learned in this sort of Satan name-calling incident, that's quite awkward. After all, it was probably one of his best friends. You know, when Jesus, you know, the Bible says uh, Jesus had, he had the, the, the 70, and then he had the 12 with the others that came along with them. Some of them were women, in fact. He had the 12. Then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. And they went to the transfiguration, different spots. And then he had the one which was John. So Jesus was very close to Peter. He was one of his closest friends, you could say, or people in his life. And, uh, and so... For us, and then he went on to talk about the fact that, you know, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. You need to be willing to lay down your life. Not just me, but you too. You, you need to, if you're going to follow me, you need to be willing to lay down all of these agendas and serve me. And a lot of times we are so used in our 21st century North American culture when everything, for the most part, everything is pretty comfortable. You know, nobody... Had a machete to your neck this week. Anybody with a machete to their neck this week? You know, it happens all around the world, but not here. We, we feel like we're entitled to this life of ease, but God is not really calling us to that. I love you enough to tell you that. Jesus says, if you love your life, you'll lose it. If you want to be worthy of following me, 
You need to be willing to lay down your life. And so that's the, the really awkward part. And what makes it even more awkward is the, ble- the cursed part, the, is the blessed part, which is before this part of the story. So if we can go back to the beginning of our story here, Jesus took the guys to uh, Caesarea Philippi, and he was in that area. And there was all these other religions and all this other stuff happening all around. And he said to the guys, he says, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am or is? Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they said, well, some people say that, you know, you're John the Baptist who was beheaded. And so they figured, well, it's a miraculous resurrection. You've got to be John the Baptist. Other people said Elijah and some say Jeremiah, or and they even think, well, maybe there's another prophet that he's, you know, we don't really know. They, they didn't want to, uh, they didn't, he didn't look like the messianic type, really, to these guys, the people all around. He was a good teacher. He was a good person. They liked the miracles. They liked the free lunch. You know, they liked all these things. But they, they didn't see him as the sort of messianic leader type. And so that's what, that's what the, the buzz, that's the, that's the buzz, that's what's trending on social media, you know, like that's, that's the thing. But then he looked at them and he said, well, who, who do you say I am? That's a really good question for all of us. Because, you know, we, we're here in church, right? So after all, I mean, you're here and thank you for being here. A lot of you are here most every week. That's wonderful. So, you know, we believe in Jesus. But is he like, you know, like my Starbucks card that I have in my wallet? We just kind of take him out when we need him. Like, is he someone that we pray when we're in trouble? Or, or is he the Lord that I'm serving him, not he's serving me? Who is, who, who do you say he is? Well, I, he, he's my uh, get-out-of-hell-free card, actually. Or he is, what, what is he to you? So Jesus said, well, who do you say I am? And, of course, Simon Peter, he's right there in the front, real close by. And he said, you are the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. You're the one that we've been waiting for, for generations. You're the son of the living God. Now, if that wasn't something that he truly believed, he would have been uh, committing one of the greatest sins that there are because attributing deity to a person is not something the Jewish culture did, the, the Jewish religion. They didn't like that. And then Jesus told Peter a couple of things about what just happened. He said, this is a very important moment. First of all, Peter, you are blessed. You are blessed. You are to be envied. You you have been given something that is so precious. You know, for all of us here today who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, we all think that we came to that conclusion because, after all, that's what we came to. And we need to realize that no person comes to God unless a miracle takes place. Did you know that? 
You're here by a miracle if you have a faith in Christ because no one comes to God unless the Holy Spirit draws them. So, you know, you may feel like, well, when will this ever end? <laughs> but actually, you're sitting here and you're blessed. You are blessed because if you love Jesus, if you want to serve God, even if you feel like you're not doing the greatest job, even the desire to do it comes from heaven. Because after all, aren't we left on our own? Aren't we rather self-centered? And Especially us guys, we're very oblivious. Some of the, Jesus said to Peter, you are blessed. He says, and I'll tell you why you're blessed. Because God the Father gave you that special gift that was a revelation in your heart. You didn't come up with that on your own, Jesus said. You are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Not even from me, Jesus said. This comes from the top. It's a special revelation. And that's my prayer for you today. A special revelation of who Jesus is. And you know what? I'm just thinking about my own life and how many times God is so patient with me because I have insecurities and I have doubts and I have fears and I pray and God meets me again in my weakness and in my foibles, and even in my hardness of heart sometimes, God comes to me and he reveals to me who Jesus is. That's my prayer for you today. And then Jesus, he said some stuff that has been really misunderstood, especially through the churches that believe that, you know, Peter was the head guy and it's all the succession of, you know, apostles and popes through G through Peter. That's not what Jesus was getting at here. But uh, anyways, it was misunderstood. But he said this to Peter. I, I say, now, of course, he's, he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of John. That's Peter's actual birth name, his legal name on his birth certificate. And on his Nexus card, it said, you know, it said, you know, Simon, son of John, Johnston, I guess. Simon Johnston. There you go. He didn't even know he was Scandinavian. Anyways, but Jesus gave him his own nickname, Rocky. He called him Peter. He said, Peter, I'm calling you Peter now. And on this rock... That's what the word Peter means. It means rock. I am going to build my church and even the gates of hell, the last bastion of hell's defenses, the place where the gates is where the place of sort of the, all, all, the, all the planning, all the elders were there and, and all the judgments happened at the gates and a lot of the land deals happened. At, it was like the court. It was a, that's that's it's just the sort of where the action is and and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. On this rock, what rock? Well, Peter actually had some privileges, and it's not like you know every you know he's going to be the, the 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 top guy. Jesus is the Lord of the church, and and he is the great Father. 
He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Keys open doors. And who is it that was preaching on the day of Pentecost? Peter. Who was it that was preaching in, in, in Samaria and got, got things happening in Samaria? Peter. Who was it that opened the door to the Gentiles? Had the vision of, of the, the, all the animals that weren't kosher. You know, he had that vision and he preached in the house of Cornelius. That was Peter. He had keys. He opened things up. He opened the whole, the whole world up to the message of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Cool. <laughs> I can't wait to talk to him. That must have been, well, that was awkward too. It's not even on my list. Going to Cornelius' house, that, that didn't happen. Yeah. I, I, just, I just believe that there's something that God wants to do in our lives and cause us to be blessed Peter had a revelation of who Jesus was. And really, God reveals himself to us in all kinds of ways, but especially now. I mean, we're blessed. They didn't, you know, before the printing press, uh, you know, there wasn't a, a lot of literacy and a lot of the learning was done uh, through, through just, you know, what do you call it when it's handed down by voice? Oral. Thank you. Oral tradition. I have my thesaurus in the front row here. It's really great. But, you know, we have the Bible. Come on, let's read it. You know, for us to really know, for us to really know what, what it is, and, and maybe we can just go to that slide 15, if you could, please. There's these two, these two challenges that, that we face. And a lot of times, you know, and I'll say it for myself, too. Like, I, I have to study, believe it or not, I study for these messages. And I learn things all the time by just reading the Bible again for the first time. And a lot of times we get all confused about the, the grays of, 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 um, uh, of morality. You know, we need to read the Bible and know what the Bible says. And the definition of a doctrine isn't your favorite verse on the gold plaque on the wall. The definition of a doctrine or a teaching is everything that the Bible says about a subject. And especially if you, if you don't have time to do the 66, uh, the, the New Testament's a lot shorter. You start with the New Testament and read every, every place where blessed is found, for example. You can find out how to be blessed instead of being cursed, thinking like the world, thinking like a human. Let's think the way God does. And read the scriptures and know what the scriptures have to say. Whatever challenge we face, whatever question we need answered, whatever decision we must make, what does the Bible say and what is the Holy Spirit saying? And you know, if you read the Bible, the first thing you need to do is pray and ask the Lord to open the scriptures to you, and the Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you through reading the Bible. God revealed, the Father personally revealed to Peter who Jesus is. Well, part of that was because Peter knew the Bible, like he knew the Old Testament. He, had, he, he, he was part of the Jewish religion. They had well, been well taught in the Scriptures. And that lays that foundation for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you something that's not in the Scriptures. Well, I found this verse in Hezekiah 13.75. Well, first of all, you don't. You, don't, you aren't going to find the book of Hezekiah. Okay. The, so the first thing, the first lesson from this 
encounter that is so awkward. How am I doing here? It's 12 o'clock. Okay, time to quit. Thank you. Whatever challenge we face, what does the Bible say? And the second, the second one, you know, Peter, he had some amazing spiritual experiences. Have you, have you had some ex- spiritual experiences in your life? I, I, I have. I, I wasn't going to do this, and I got to quit soon. But, you know, I, I was in Toronto. when I used to live in Toronto for a few years back when I was a middle schooler. And I, w- I was in church, and it, I, God met me, and I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I laughed for a half an hour. Like, this is after the service. It was like a prayer time after the service. And, and it, it just was an amazing encounter. I don't know. I think I was around 12. And I'll never forget that. You know, when I prayed to receive Christ into my life, I was just a preschooler. I'm, I'm, I was in my bedroom. My mom came in, and she led me in a prayer to receive Christ. I remember those experiences that I've had, lots of different experiences. Even, even this month, I've had some experiences, and I'm going to keep talking about my stuff. But all of our experience, Peter had, ex- man, talk about experiences. Peter, Jesus used his own, he used his boat to preach like a PA system across the water, you know, the sound carries. And, you know, Peter had that boat. And then, you know, they went out and they, had, they went fishing. And he had been fishing all night. And he was a fisherman and he knew his stuff. But then he said, okay, sure, why not? And he goes out. And they got like their best day in business ever. Like the record-breaking day in business was that day. And it was all about Jesus. He, he was given a nickname by Jesus Christ. I mean, I wouldn't mind that. You know, I'd be willing to change, you know, what people call me if he wanted to call me something else. Horatio. Okay. I don't know what Horatio means. I hope it means something good. Peter saw all these miracles. He saw every one of them. He heard every word Jesus taught publicly. He was there. There's only three of them at the transfiguration, you know, where Jesus actually met was it Elijah and Moses? Amazing. Peter, we all talk about how he, you know, lost his faith. But actually, Peter walked on water. He did. Not long. <laughs> Not long enough. But he did. He walked on water. He was part of the crew that was, you know, cleaning up after the feeding of 4,000 people. And they had seven baskets of leftovers. When they, more than what they started with. Like Peter was there. He saw it happen. He's giving out food and he's, just, he's going, this is weird. I, I'm giving out all, I've given up, I've given out, you know, three loaves already and I only started with one and a half and I still got one and a half. How does that go on? He had all these experiences including that direct revelation from heaven. And Peter still got, got it wrong. <laughs> Jesus, I got my agenda here. Don't forget my agenda. Our spiritual experiences need to line up and point us toward where God really is. And if you've had experiences, that's great. I have too. We all have. But God's looking at our heart. Maybe you're thinking here, man, I don't know if I've ever had, you know, even more than a half an experience. All right. What's really important is your heart. That's what's really important. So those, those things. 
I think, are lessons that we can get. As I say on the, uh, if you can go to the last slide, these awkward moments, spiritual teaching that may confront our comfort zone. Let's stand together, please, can we? The kids in kids' church are learning about serving, and so they're going to be helping serve the uh, coffee. So that'll be nice. But if you're here today and you feel like, you know, I, I really want that revelation of who Jesus is, there's people that will pray with you. And come and receive prayer and talk to somebody about that. If you, if you don't want to come forward for prayer, maybe someone close to you will do that. We have coffee on. So glad that you're here. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these moments where you encountered even your friends. And sometimes it was awkward, but you're the God of love. You're the one who loves us. It was because of your love for us that you went to the cross. And so, Lord, today we receive your love. And we thank you for the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I pray your great blessing upon this congregation of people. I pray, Lord, that you would fill them with your spirit. Let new life just ooze out of us every place we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. Thanks for your attention. God bless you. Say hello to somebody and have a cup of coffee. Come on up for prayer if you'd like as well. Thank you.